Good morning, and welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5. As you might have recognized, either from seeing me, if you're watching this live, or listening to this, I am not Dave Biddle, who is on vacation still this week. I am not Dan Rubin, who has been filling in for Dave, but I'm Patrick Murphy of Bucknuts and 247 Sports. Dan's been doing a lot of these shows recently, so I figured I'd help him out by stepping in and, and taking over this one for the Friday edition of the Bucknuts Morning 5. Uh, we have an exciting guest today. We're going to do kind of a blend. If you haven't caught it before, I do the Bucknuts Happy Hour usually once a week. We're going to do kind of a blend of the two shows. So we're going to go about 20, 25 minutes, sort of similar to the Bucknuts Morning 5, and then I'm going to hit on a couple other topics. But we're going to start today by talking with Marcus St. Clair, the father of Tavian St. Clair, who recently just committed to the Buckeyes quarterback from the 2025 class. And then after Marcus hops out, I'll do some discussion on some things that concern me heading into the 2023 season. And at the end, for uh, basketball Buckeye Nuts, we'll discuss a little bit of the NBA draft and Bryce Sensabaugh going to the Utah Jazz last night. So let's hop into it. Let's, uh, let's discuss the newest Buckeye commit, Tavian St. Clair, with Marcus St. Clair, his father. Marcus, thanks for joining us. How are you doing on this Friday? I'm uh, doing good on this gloomy, uh, what feels like a early spring day. Yeah, yeah, it's not great in Columbus either. So big week for you and your family, for Tavion. Um, I got to meet you out at the camps over these last couple of days, but I want to go back uh, to kind of the, the roots of all this. When Tavion first kind of got his interest in football, what when do you remember him really taking on the sport? I know you, he's played multiple sports throughout his, his time growing up. But but when did football kind of become something that he realized he might be able to play at another level? Oh, gosh. Um, so, you know, you and I, I talked the other day from, from when he was able to throw something, he wanted to throw a ball. So it yeah. was baseball, uh, it was football, and then he'd throw up a million shots in basketball if he'd let him. Uh, but honestly, it was probably going into middle school when – the youth football stuff was over and he understood, okay, I can be a leader of this team. I can, I can be a quarterback and I can get the ball to these, all these playmakers and we can have a lot of fun doing this, you know, with new coaches and my dad's not coaching me and that kind of thing. So um, I'd say probably middle school is when it really took off for him to want to be a football player. So I'm sure dad coaching was, was not a terrible thing. Right. I mean, I'm sure you did, <laughs> did a good job. He's gotten this far. Um, when you look at kind of this recruitment process, Tavion's a guy who, and, and we talked on this as you talked about this as you mentioned, Tavion's a guy who's kind of risen through the rankings. Um, what has been the difference from maybe a year or so ago for him? I know he talked about physically changing his body, but what have you seen in terms of how he's become a guy that Ohio State was disinterested in? Yeah, uh, what was really nice for him is uh, his offensive coordinator and quarterback coach committed to the school um, to be a full-time teacher and, and coach 
a year ago. And when that happened, it took a huge step forward. So it was, it was actually after he worked out for Ohio State last summer that he really started to work with uh, his offensive coordinator and start to you know, develop it as a quarterback, the different drills and techniques and things like that. Uh, he was able to refine them when he started piecing it together with Jake. Um, and then I would say that, you know, when he comes to these camps now, before I would say, all right, well, let's let's go in here and I'll, I'll try to find out where we're supposed to register you and, you know, get this figured out. Well, this year he was like last one out of the car and he was the one walking us in this year. You know, he understands, all right, well, I've been to enough of these things now. I know how to work a camp. I know how to come in. I know how to you know get myself ready to go. I know how to get ready for the drills. And, um, he took that step forward maturity wise, and and uh, he's been locked in and focused since basketball ended. So. It's funny how the comfort really changes things. I think it's true in anything you do. Like once you once you know how everything works, I feel like you you relax. You're able to kind of do whatever you know. Whether it's us going out and covering these camps, I remember the first one I went to, and there's just all these people, and I had no idea what to do, and I'm following Bill Curlick around and whatnot. But I think that comfort really helps in, in everything, right? Um, he knows the Woody, he knows the people. That that probably Absolutely. makes a huge difference. He also talked with us this week because he got the scholarship offer a while back. He talked with us about the difference of being offered versus working for that offer, which is what he was doing last summer. Did you see that change in him too? Maybe not just at Ohio State's camps, but kind of as a football player, knowing you know he's kind of gotten that recognition already. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, how many quarterbacks do you see that walk around that don't have some swagger, that don't have a little bit of moxie to them, right? And this this offer uh, sort of inflated his chest a little bit. You know, it kind of gave him the opportunity to be like, "Hey, I'm going to go to this camp this year," knowing that they like what they see and knowing that. Uh, they've now sort of put their money where their mouth has been this whole, whole time. You know, they've, they've talked about how good he could be. They talked about um, what they see in him, but now it's almost, it's a marriage almost, you know, it's say, Hey, we, we see it. Here's our offer. I see it. And you guys, so here's my acceptance, you know? And, uh, but when he walked into camp this year, it was a totally different kid, ready to go, ready to show everybody Coach Dennis made it clear, I'm going to be right there with you. We're going to be working on some stuff, and we're going to work you out like you're already a Buckeye. And so it changed everything, honestly. Yeah, and, and Corey Dennis was. It was it was interesting at the 7-on-7 seven -seven camp. Most of the camp, he's standing right behind Davion as, he's, as the team's playing and whatnot, which I thought really sent a message about the interest there. Um, <laughs> the, physical, the physical development that you've seen, uh, Tavian talked about, his strength coach at, at uh, Bell Fountain and just what, what that has done in terms of his ability. How have you seen him develop physically? My goodness. Uh, 187 at the end of basketball season. And I think he weighed in at 216 or something like that at, at camp for Ohio State. So um, the weight is there, but just the, the intensity. Like I used to have to set my alarm. You know, I was getting up to go to work anyway, so I would be like, all right, I'll set it a little bit early so I can make sure he makes it to morning lifting. And as soon as basketball ended, it was like he was up at four something in the morning and out the door at five, you know, ready to go do it. Um, and it was five days a week that he was doing it. So uh, coupled with that, he would he would go into the gym, they'd set up dummies and he would do leg work and he would shuffle in and out of the pocket and do different drills. and. Um, med balls are getting thrown at him, he's throwing them back. And I mean, just his approach to it 
has been, all right, I'm getting serious now. You know, at that point, there were eight schools that had offered him when he made this commitment to, like, develop his body, work on his craft. And in that short amount of time, we had 17 more schools come to the table because they had seen it, too. And it took off like a rocket for him. Yeah. What was that like for your family, um, him, him, but the rest of you as well, when that attention really starts to, to happen, because at some point he's always going to be Tavion and you guys, but he eventually becomes a, a guy that he's being recruited and talked about nationally. How, how is that different for a family when something like that happens? It's awesome. Cause you know that he wants it, but at the end of the day, you're also, you're a parent and you're like, I, I don't want my kid to be exposed to anything that he can't handle. And um, I don't want him put in situations that he can't get out of or, you know, feels, like I said, uncomfortable. In. But, uh, you know, for us in March and April, when things weren't really doing what they were doing in June, um, we start talking. We're like, all right, well, Miami of Ohio invited you down. Marshall invited you. Let's go ahead and check these schools out and see what, what we've got you know and been both great schools but at that time we just weren't sure where the process was going to take him so i'm like all right you know forget it let's sit down and if, if they don't know you and if they haven't seen you let's get you out there and let's let's go see what we can see and so we made a commitment to hit up several schools in the in the south and um and up here as well and then he went to the elite 11 and the under armor and then it was like phone calls and uh, reaching out to Coach Brown to connect with him and throwing sessions because it was right in the middle of the evaluation period. So now you've got uh, LSU coming up and USC and Alabama, Vanderbilt. It was it was just incredible because now it's taking off and now we're seeing the fruition of all the hard work that he put in. And he stayed exactly the same kid. He didn't change. And uh, he just kept his head down. And for, for parents, we saw another big step maturity wise, but we got to see him enjoying what he's always wanted to do. When would you say Ohio state's interest was, you know, obviously they're aware of, of all the quarterbacks in the state, but when did that become a, a real possibility in your guys' eyes? I would say from what I hear, it, it happened amongst the staff and amongst uh those that have seen Tavian and evaluated him happened at the Elite 11. We kind of felt it after the Under Armour camp because he got a chance to go in that, that group with what I would consider the big guys around our area. And uh, for the first, I don't, I don't know if you were there or not, but for the majority of that morning, him and uh, the kid from Michigan were side by side for a lot of the reps. And after it was over, you know, the couple MVP awards got handed out and some stuff got you know, talked about and I walk into the car and he's visibly a little bit frustrated, you know, because you want, it's like training for the Olympics all that time and then not getting the medal. Right. So you walk to the car and you're like, look, man, you had a great day. I don't care if you got an award, you had a great day. And this guy pulls up behind us and he goes, Hey, I don't care what happened. You were, you were the guy out there today. And you just saw him kind of like, all right, well maybe somebody else sees it besides dumb old dad, you know, but, uh, but no, once that camp was over, um, Coach Dennis reached out to Coach Brown. Tavian got on the phone with him. Um, they started talking about, all right, what's camp season look like? Are you going to make it or are you not? Um, you know, what are your thoughts? 
And at that time, we, we didn't have him on the camp schedule because we were we had been down to Ohio State several times. I've already taken him to games his whole life. Like there, there was nothing else really he needed to see. So we committed to going to LSU and Mississippi State and Alabama, West Virginia, Michigan. You know, we were bouncing around. We were going to check them all out. And um, I, I think they liked what they saw in the Elite 11 and the Under Armour. So um, Coach Dennis came out during the evaluation period, and he saw enough when he saw it. I mean, he said, I haven't seen you throw in a year, and what I just saw is not the same kid from a year ago. And he offered them, yeah, it was very exciting, awesome time. Yeah, if, if you've seen Tavion before, it's a different kid for sure. I, I mean, Coach Dennis obviously knows best, but I certainly agree from, from seeing him prior. Um, you, the other day when, when we were at the Woody, kind of everything was wrapping up, you were talking to, uh, I believe it was another another parent, you were just talking about the kind of the message Ohio State gave to you guys versus what you heard from other places. Can you share a little bit of what resonated with you guys about that uh, with, with the people listening to this, just because I thought that was that was really interesting from a outside perspective of, of what Ohio State says that maybe isn't the same stuff that, as some of these other big programs. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you need to see the facilities at Alabama or LSU or Georgia or even Ohio State if you're not from Ohio? Like. Do you need to see those facilities or you just understand like, all right, this program probably has everything. They're going to check every box. Um, so when Coach uh, Reeves at Alabama asked me how our trip was going, um, I said, man, honestly, everything here goes without saying. I mean, you could have described all this to us and we didn't need to see it. What, what we wanted to know was what what is it about Alabama, LSU, Ohio State that that makes them different from each other? And uh, so you walk through facilities and, and not any one in particular, but you walk through most facilities and you see focus, determination, toughness, commitment, uh, physicality, you know, all these football words all over the, the facility. And we were fortunate because we had a lot of frustrations early on with our process with Ohio State. So my wife and I got to voice some of those with Coach Day and he answered them all honestly and, and transparently. And, uh, and what stuck out to us is he used words like relationship, uh, legacy, <clears throat> excellence, tradition, people, you know, all the all the words that would indicate that it's a family more so than just a football brand. And um, that really resonated with us because relationships are huge in our how we brought our kids up and amongst us. So that, that meant a lot. That meant the world to us. You mentioned earlier about kind of sticking with what's what's worked this process. Um, I think I know the answer, but when, when you look ahead for Tavion, now that he's committed to Ohio State and whatnot, do you see a kid who's going to continue to plow forward and, and continue to get better? Or, I mean, I don't think you as a parent would say that he wouldn't, but what do you see from him kind of over these this next year or so to until he ends up at Ohio State? Honestly, it may not have been something that got quoted directly from his mouth, but when we left camp Thursday and he didn't really take a breath, I mean, he was talking, you know, until we got past almost to Marysville heading back home. And uh, he talked about, you know, dad, I'm able to get down here. I'm only so many miles away. I can get down here. I can be in the facility. I can you know, look at film with Coach Dennis. I can watch practice. I can you know, watch him interact. I can have conversations with 
you know, Kyle McCord and with just, just different people there in the facility for the next two years. And essentially I can know the offense. I can, you know, I can understand coach Mick's philosophy in the weight room and maybe get an idea of what kind of plan I can map out for myself. And I have access to all these things now. And so for, for me, I think over the next two years, you're going to see exactly that. You'll see his, his, uh, old Honda parked there at the Woody facility or something on a regular basis, you know, because he wants to be around it. And he's, he always loves that part of our business where they say, you know, you have a thumbprint, you come in the facility and you can stay as long as you want. That to him for a gym rat and for a guy that wants to work and is never satisfied. That's exactly what they want to hear. I do think it's interesting. And and I wrote about this after he committed that Ohio State hasn't gone after Ohio quarterbacks a ton. Uh, they haven't had many of them. Their last starter was Cardell Jones. And Tavion mentioned that during his uh, interview with us on Thursday or on Wednesday, I think it was, that you know he had he knows he has that opportunity. And I think to your point, that makes it easier for him to be around, uh, be involved in, in things before he gets there. So that's an even bigger part of the conversation that I think you know, in, in addition to the pride of being an Ohio quarterback playing for Ohio State, I think that's a really good point that you can you can be involved even more than some of the guys that come in from out of state and, you know, get the fly to get to Columbus, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, he may not have voiced it too much in the interviews, but that's that's one of the main things that, that won him over. Yeah. Um, I'm going to – I asked people on, on our message board on the front row if they had questions for you, and we got some, we got a handful. Um, I'm just going to ask you a few here, but uh, – this is from Flyzone Six. He said, "Tom gets to live out his dream of playing football in Ohio and now playing quarterback at the Ohio State University. As a father, you deserve so much credit. What did you do, or what would you, what did you do differently, and what would be your advice to fathers who would love to get their sons in that position?" I thought that was an interesting question, just kind of of your involvement in this situation. You mentioned coaching him, but as you look back, what kind of stands out to to you about? parenting maybe you and your wife and, and how you get a kid to this this point uh make sure the kid is one of the younger siblings they got to get beat up a little bit as a kid <laughs> uh i don't know honestly my wife uh is is uh wired similarly to, to tavian where they're they're more cerebral uh in their approach so they're going to look at stuff they're going to analyze stuff they're going to think it over and think it over and think it over and, and sometimes i'm not that way so I'm like, all right, let's act on something. Let's go do something. Like, all right, let's. We've thought about it enough. We can't. We can't fear the unknown. So let's just get out there and, and get after it. So he he's developed sort of a blend of both of our personalities as he's gotten older. But I'd say what I what I would recommend is that you give a kid a little bit of space to make mistakes on their own, within reason. You don't let a you know a ten year old kid drive your car. I'm not like that kind of thing. But you give them you give them space to figure out on their own how to analyze something and how to make a decision. Uh, another one from the message boards, Lord WVU uh, was asking if Tavion will continue to play basketball and baseball, or if he's just going to focus on football, how that he's an Ohio State quarterback? That is a great question. We've had discussions about that. And he may tell, he may tell you, Patrick, that I'm not playing basketball this winter. And then I'll say, what do you think about basketball this winter? And he'll say, I don't know. So I don't, I don't know that he that he's going to shut it down this year, but he plans on being an early enrollee. So his senior year, he's definitely not going to do it. But um, I wouldn't rule it out. Maybe one more season. Yeah. Well, I will say, I know that the staff at Ohio State 
often looks at guys that are two sport, three sport athletes uh, a little bit different. And, and I mean that in a positive way. They yep. like the fact that the guys have done some different things. Obviously, you know, football's what they want to see out of them. But uh, I think just the diversity in terms of the, the athletic abilities you need to play different sports. I know Ryan Day's talked about that. I've heard some of the other coaches talk about that. So certainly not a bad thing as long as he's continuing to develop on the quarterback. They, they certainly sure. want that. Absolutely. And in his case, he was a middle infielder. He was a pitcher. Um, there's a lot of things that translate to pocket awareness and things like that. Arm slots. I mean, as a, as a shortstop, you have to be able to move your feet, get to the ball, get the ball to second base for a double play or make a throw across the infield from an unorthodox position sometimes. So I think it, they, it's a big deal to, to play multiple sports. KVM talked about the quarterbacks that have come through Ohio State. Um, and obviously, recently under Ryan Day, the, the Heisman Trophy finalist, the first-round draft picks. Has it hit you and your family yet that he, you know, not to put too much on him now, but that could be him down the line? He is in that discussion at the very least right now for that type of, of player? Yeah, that I think that part is might, might be the hardest one to wrap my head around. I mean, I still remember uh, – working close to home around the time that Terrell Pryor was going to commit and like, all right, I got to be close to a TV. I got to be close to something. I got to hear this commitment kind of thing, you know, um, because it was like there were three schools, I think, that he was considering. Uh, and I remember the buzz around that and the attention that he was getting. And I said, Tavian, you're a kid from Ohio who committed to Ohio State. Like it could be that plus more, especially the way that things are covered nowadays. And I think it may not move him as much as it does me and his mother, but it is a, uh, yeah. I mean, we're trying to get our heads wrapped around it. We're trying to get out in front of everything so that we can help him navigate this, but it's unprecedented. We, we, there's nobody near us that has gone through it that we can say, Hey neighbor, uh, what'd you, what was it like for you to take your, your kid through this, you know? So, uh, uncharted waters, but exciting. Yeah. He mentioned the other day that, and I didn't fact check him on this. I'm assuming he's right. But the last guy to go FBS from Bell Fountain was in the 60s. Does that sound right to you? So uh, we had a kid, and I, I can't remember the year. He was several years after me that went to Bowling Green to play defensive back. So that okay. was probably 2000, I want to say, eight, maybe somewhere in there. Right. Um, so a little bit more recent. Yeah. And then we had uh, some walk ons. Um, actually, Joe Burroughs. Uh, trainer is a kid who walked on at Ohio from our school and um, got into a scholarship situation uh, at some point in school. But then we had some guys walk on at Kentucky and uh, had a guy go to Kent State. So, yeah, there were two guys in the 60s that went together to Michigan State, okay. Jesse Williams and Gail Clark, and they were both phenomenal for the, at their time for sure. So, And I've been asked since we're, we're on the topic of Bill Fountain, I've been asked this, any consideration – of trying to get him into a bigger high school, transferring schools, or do you guys think that this is this is the right setup for him? And, and obviously, he's had success thus far. That was a that was a real question early on. I mean, amongst us, you know, like, do we need to do this? Is this something that needs to happen? Do I need to start reaching out? Um, but when you think about it, like these visits that we've been on, it's never been brought up. Hey, you should think about going to a bigger school. You should think about playing better competition. They'd probably like to see that. But they, I think they've seen enough from him, and they and they're going to see enough through the process that he does. It doesn't have to happen against you know the big schools 
for them to be satisfied. I think that they're good with what they've seen. Uh, I thought it was really a, a classy situation after he committed uh, him and Ryan Montgomery, the other top Ohio quarterback in the class, went back and forth on Twitter in a, in a positive way. I think Ryan congratulated him and then he said something like, my guy. What have you seen of, of that relationship? Because it could be contentious. Obviously, they were both competing, uh, not actually against each other the other day at the 7-on-7 seven seven camp, but they both were interested in Ohio State. What have you seen of their relationship as two of the best quarterbacks in this class and specifically in Ohio? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, what they say, comparison's the thief of joy, right? So you you get a <clears throat> you get a kid, and that's exactly what he is. He's a kid um, who's comparable to your son, going in a like direction, interested in the same schools, and what happens? People start to compare. You start to villainize a kid through through a process a little bit, you know, or you can if you allow that stuff to, to live, but. Um, man, there was just none of that in this situation. Like we, we went down for the Notre Dame game and uh, golf session. There were so many people down there outside the, the St. John and so many people outside the field that groups got mixed up and you couldn't really follow the line of recruits all the way from St. John to the stadium. So he just happened to kind of fall back and we were, we were coming up behind him. So I was like, hey, just walk with me. And I got a chance to talk with them all the way from St. John to the shoe. And I was... I was moved at, at just how humble and classy he seems as a kid. Seems to have his head on straight. You know, he, he'll look you in the eye. Like I was, I was really impressed. But as far as Pavian goes, there was never any of that animosity between two, the two of them. I think early on, um, when Tavian got his first big one, Ryan was the first, one of the first ones to say congratulations. You know, congrats, bro. This is big. Sky's the limit, or it's only going to get better from here, or whatever it was. And then. They connected on Instagram with their private messages and Twitter and that stuff. And I think now they can exchange cell phone numbers. So um, my wife and I went up to him after the seven on seven and just told him what an exceptional player he is. And how it's been so much fun to watch this process and how competitive they were at the seven on seven. And, you know, we just let him know that, like, you're going to be great. So wherever that ends up being, if the shoe was on the other foot, he would do the same thing. And, uh, I have no doubt about that. It seems like a world-class family and, and great kids. So, Yeah, certainly. And, and if you weren't paying attention this week uh, at the 7-on-7 seven seven camp, it was Davion's Bell Fountain against Ryan's uh, Finley in the championship game. I believe it was one, basically, a last-second throw. Uh, Pass interference. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> so uh, 
Finley did win, but it was, I mean, you know, that's not real football in my mind. Seven on seven is a little different if you've never seen it, but that was uh, as close as a like epic championship battles. I think you could get in a, a seven on seven. Camp. Uh, Marcus, I'll get you out of here on this. Is there anything that we haven't covered or that you think Buckeye Nation should know about Tavion as he kind of heads into this this next stage where he's a commit for two years before he ends up there? But just anything anything else that that they should know about your son and, and what they're getting in this quarterback that's coming to Ohio State. Uh, yeah, you should know that he he knows as much as any Buckeye fan about this university, about this football program. Uh, about what it means, the magnitude of the decision, and uh, just how important it is for him that Ohio State gets championships and that they they win their rivalry games, that they win their conference games, that people still recognize continually that Ohio State is the class of the Big Ten and and uh, the uh, the school that he chose early on because he's got such a love for it. I mean, you're getting a good one. I think Buckeye fans will be happy to hear that, especially after you mentioned the rivalry game the last couple of years here. I know that's a, cop, some, a topic of conversation that's come up a lot recently. Marcus, thanks again for doing this. I do appreciate it. Uh, I think that was great insight into Tavion. Again, if somehow you missed it this week, Buckeye fans is the Ohio State quarterback in the 2025 class. So, Marcus, appreciate it. I will, uh, I'll catch up with you and your family soon. But uh, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. Have a good one. All right. Thanks again to Marcus for jumping on here. If you missed any of the conversation, again, that was Tavian St. Clair's father. Tavian is the quarterback who committed to Ohio State this past week. He will be the Buckeyes 2025 quarterback. So great conversation with him. Uh, Again, if you missed any of that, it'll be archived on YouTube. And obviously there'll be the podcast version of this. If you came on late, I am not Dave Biddle, who usually does the Bucknuts Morning 5, or Dan Rubin, who has been filling in for the vacationing. Dave Biddle, I'm Patrick Murphy of Bucknuts and 247 Sports. And I decided I'd help Dan, excuse me, give him a day off. So uh, if you're unaware, I do a separate podcast called the Bucknuts Happy Hour. We usually do it like Thursday, Friday afternoons. And uh, it's, it's a longer podcast. We have different guests on, things like that, talk about some different things. Uh, Often we have a beer during it. I decided 9.30 in the morning was probably a little early for a beer, though I've done worse. Um, So we're going to continue this past the normal Bucknuts Morning 5 because I wanted to talk about a couple things, kind of blend together the Morning 5 and the happy hour. I want to dive into the concerns I have for Ohio State heading into 2023. And these are not things that I think cannot be overcome. And as we get closer to the season, I think we'll have more answers in fall camp. But things that I'm just, you know, when when people ask me when I'm at happy hours, so to speak, and people are asking me, you know, what do you think of the 2023 Buckeyes? There are two things that come up. And I think they're both fairly obvious, but diving into them a little bit more, I think, is is interesting. Uh, The first is the offensive line. And that's a conversation we've had a lot on Bucknuts, I'm sure on, on every Ohio State site, and I'm sure the conversation about that is is immense between fans. But to me, the quarterback situation is of little concern. I trust Ryan Day. I trust Corey Dennis to get the job done, uh, evaluate these two quarterbacks, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown, 
and pick the right one. Uh, I believe they've both been developed well, and they understand what they're getting themselves into. But if you don't have a front five to protect for them, and again, this is obvious, it's not going to matter. You know, They have all these weapons and whatnot, but you've got to protect. And especially against some of these teams on this schedule that Ohio State faces and in the Big Ten, um, if, if you aren't able to keep your quarterback upright, open running lanes for the plethora of running backs that Ohio State has, I think you're going to be in trouble. And I look at this offensive line, you know, we know Matthew Jones, we know Donovan Jackson, returning starters. Left tackle, I'm pretty sure that Josh Fryer is going to be that guy. And I'm fairly confident from what I saw from him, from, from people I've talked to, that, that he can be solid at that position and, and potentially beyond solid. Uh, this is going to be a first-year starter. He did play a good amount last season, and he did even start a game, essentially started two games. I, I believe he came in, I think it was for Matthew Jones, um, and played almost all of, of another game after he started one. But that was a guard. He's now moving to left tackle, which is obviously a crucial position when you have a right-handed quarterback. And you've got to protect that blind side. From what we saw in spring, I think he's making significant progress. But Ryan Day wasn't let Ryan Day and uh, uh, offensive line coach Justin Fry weren't ready to to name him a starter, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because you don't need him to be the starter now. Why not keep that carrot out in front? There isn't an obvious guy pushing behind him. But I think from a competence standpoint, if you were if you had seen enough in spring to say, okay, that's our guy at left tackle, and that's happened before. I mean, you know, you look at a Paris Johnson, everyone knew he was going to be the left tackle, right? So that part of me, that part of it has me a little concerned because I'd like to just have that done. Let him know he's the tackle if he's earned it, if he's earned it and get that out of the way. Moving to the other side, Zen Mikowski, uh, Tegra Shibola, both guys who were kind of moving around positions previously. Uh, Mikowski is a junior. Tegra is a sophomore. Um, and then you add in Josh Simmons, who is the transfer portal offensive lineman from San Diego State. I wrote about him a couple weeks ago. Justin Fry is very high on him, and it it made me go back and kind of reevaluate and look back at um, uh, Josh Simmons. And you know, there there was a lot of talk about the penalties he committed at San Diego State. Justin Fry pointed to okay, some of those penalties were legitimate, but some of them were the okay the line moved collectively or, or the center didn't snap the ball and the field judge happened to throw the flag because on, on Josh because Josh Simmons because he was the closest guy things like that so Ohio State's aware of that that's something I think you can clean up the penalties I think he had 16 penalties last year for San Diego State the most on the team uh, I, I I trust that the Ohio State coaches can clean that up my concern with, with that whole position is just the overall talent level and readiness of guys to play at a Big Ten level. Uh, Zen Mikowski seemed heading into spring to be the favorite to, to step into that role. I think Tegra Shibola definitely pushed him more than some expected. Maybe because you're kind of going back and forth and those guys neither step up. The fact that you needed to go to the transfer portal and add another guy is you know after you get done with spring says to me okay we're, we're just not 100 percent confident in either of those guys um i think the the competition that will continue 
into fall camp. I know the competition will continue into fall camp. And you, you add in a guy like, like Josh Simmons, you hope that that competition breeds success and that these guys, you know, are, are doing everything they need to in the summer. I'm sure they are, but I just, I just don't know if, if there's the talent there. If Ohio state had gone into the portal as they tried to do after uh, the football season ended and landed one of those guys early on, I think I'd feel a little bit more comfortable about the situation. That's not to say that Josh Simmons can't come in and be really good. Maybe he does and surprises a lot of people and proves Justin Fry, who recruited him out of high school when he was at UCLA. Uh, you know, he's a four-star prospect and, and, and ranked pretty well. Um, maybe he proves me and, and some other people who have kind of questioned it wrong. Maybe one of these other guys steps up, but I, I just, that to me is the concerning spot, even more so than the left tackle. Um, even though the left tackle's importance is, is a little bit higher with the right-handed quarterback. Um, I, 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 I'm just not sure. I'm not sold yet on that. And, and that's a problem. I think you, you know, you want to have at a place like Ohio state, you want to have, you want, if, if you're going to have a competition and not have a starter at a place like right tackle, you want it to be because the guys that are competing there are really good and you feel confident that, okay, whoever wins the job is going to be just fine. Kind of like I said at quarterback. And, and I don't get that sense right now for me personally. Uh, you know, others may, may feel differently. Looking at center, I, I think that that job is Carson Hinsman's to lose right now. And I say that slightly skeptical just because Carson Hinsman's a young guy. He didn't play his freshman year. He's entering his sophomore season. Uh, they did bring Victor Cutler in, a guy who I think is going to need some time to develop after uh, you know playing at a lower level the last couple of years. I talked to Victor Cutler. I like the guy. I like his mentality. You know, He said, he told me, He's only got two years at Ohio State, and he wants to be in the NFL, so he's got to make it count. He's not here to to you know sit on the bench, essentially. But it just didn't seem, from what we saw in spring, that he was ready. Uh, I did like what we saw from Carson Hinsman. Now, you're going to add Jacob James, a senior, back into the mix. He did not practice in the spring. He was not a highly recruited guy, but a guy that I think maybe became a little bit forgotten because he wasn't involved in the spring, but... Justin Fry brought him up when we spoke with the assistant coaches at the end of May as like, you know, he's certainly involved, certainly will be involved now that he's healthy. So that'll add an extra, extra piece. Look, if, if Carson Hinsman is a guy you think can do it, I think that's where you go. Bureau Ohio State, similarly to what they did with Luke Whipler a couple of years ago. And now you've got your starting center for the next two seasons. And, and not that that's your own, you know, you need to play the best guys. Right. But I do think if, if Carson Hinsman proves he is good enough to start, I think you'd like the the fact that he's going to be a multi-year guy um, over maybe a Jacob James, who I believe only has one year left of eligibility. I'd have to double check that. So, you know, I, I those positions, I, I just want answers on, um, if, if I'm going to feel comfortable about Ohio state, because the rest of the offense is there. I don't care who the quarterback is. You've got talented receivers. I mean, loaded receiver room. You've got the running backs, uh, a number of running backs that are, are very talented. Now you just need to be able to block up front and, and look, Ohio state doesn't have an easy schedule when it comes to, to defensive lines you're going to face. Right. I mean, it's, 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 you know, Notre Dame, it's Wisconsin. It's, 
Penn State, Michigan. Um, you know, the Big Ten has has good defensive linemen, so you've got to be able to block. That is a concern. And flipping over to the defensive side, the cornerbacks, to me, that has to be – the Buckeyes have to get back. You want this defense to improve. You want the secondary to get back to, to being BIA and, and, you know, being in contention for DBU and all that stuff. It starts with, for me with the cornerbacks. I think the safeties played well enough last year. I know there were some mistakes, but there were, there were a lot of injuries at corners, so you hope they stay healthy. But Denzel Burke, can he play the way he did as a freshman and, and improve on that? It's going to be huge. Obviously, he battled injuries, was inconsistent as a sophomore coming off the big freshman season, but he's got to be your number one cornerback. He's got to be, <clears throat> excuse me, the – you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward, that type of guy for me. If if that's not if that's not the case, either someone else has to step into that role and be that guy, or you you're you're gonna be you're gonna struggle um, against some of the better passing teams as you get further and further into the season. Then behind him, Jordan Hancock's a guy I know that the coaching staff really liked when he was coming into last season before he got hurt. Once he got back, and, and that was an extended absence, we didn't see much from him. And I know there is still excitement that he can get back to that level, but it's just something in the spring, he was good, not great, at least from what we saw. So I, I need to see more from, from that. And then you add in Davis and Igbenosin, a guy who physically I really like. He's, he's the biggest corner on the team. He's played in the SEC and competed at, at that high level in his freshman season at Ole Miss. But you've, you've, you've got to now transition over to Ohio State and, and do that. I think, honestly, if he can take the physical talents and the Buckeyes can coach him up the right way, he may be, by the end of the year, the best cornerback on the roster, potentially. Potentially. Uh, just He's just different physically than the rest of them. But, again, in, in spring practice – he was often working with the twos. Now, is that a motivational thing? Hey, you just got here. We're not going to put you in opposite Denzel Burke and, and compete with the ones um, all the time, at least. So I will, I will be interested to see what it looks like when that group gets out there for fall camp. Um, the one thing I will say, and you know, this is obvious that they get to compete against the best receivers in the country every day. But something that was said when we talked to the coaches, I think it was Jim Knowles who said it, was that it he felt like it kind of became the norm that, okay, look, we're going against Marvin Harrison, we're going against Emeka Buka, all that. Uh, you're going to lose sometimes in those battles, those 1v1 battles in practice. And he said that can't be their mentality anymore. You don't. It doesn't matter that you're going against the best receiver in college football. You've got to win. Uh, you've got to be the best cornerback in college football. And I think that needs to be the attitude of not just Denzel Burke, but Jordan Hancock, Davis and Iguanosa, and down the line um, that just because Marvin Harrison's opposite you on offense doesn't mean that, that there's an excuse for, oh, well, I got beat because he's Marvin Harrison. No, you have to be as good as Marvin Harrison on the defensive side of the ball. And if they can take that mentality and apply it, I think the skill is there. The talent is there. The physical things are there. It's just that needs to happen on a day-to-day -day basis. It needs to be competition, iron sharpening iron. It can't just be one side where Marvin Harrison's 
continuing to get better because he's winning. No, it needs to go both ways. Marvin Harrison needs to be frustrated by Denzel Burke, by Jordan Hancock, by Davison Ignosa, whoever it is, and, and the other receivers as well. And if you start to get that in practice and you start to see that, you know, the cornerbacks did not record an interception last year. Let that sink in. That, that can't happen. And it starts on the practice field. And it starts with the things that they do every day at the Woody Hayes when, when things really pick back up. So I'm going to need to see more from, from the cornerbacks in order to, to feel confident. Um, you know, Ohio State should be fine early on. That game at Notre Dame will be interesting to test the secondary with, with the uh, transfer quarterback they got in. The receivers probably not the most uh, talented group Ohio State will face all year, but certainly a, a a big challenge in the first you know quarter of the season, so to speak. So I certainly think it will will come down to how you know the success of Ohio State this season will come down to how the offensive line comes along. Um, and one more thing I forgot to mention about the offensive line is I will be interested to see. If in fall camp they try Donovan Jackson at tackle at all, Justin Fry early in spring kind of said, no, Donnie, Matt Jones are staying at their positions at guard. Then when we talked to him at the end of May, he seemed a little bit more open to the idea of Donovan Jackson potentially moving to tackle. If, you know, he keeps saying they, they've got to play the best five. Well, okay, if, if Donovan Jackson's your – arguably you're best at one of those tackle positions. If you have another guard, you know, Enoch, Tegra, whoever it may be, um, you know, maybe that's what you've got to do. And I think that that doesn't hurt Donovan Jackson, even though I think his best position is at guard. He's already proven he can play guard at a high level, you know, a guy who's, who's probably headed to the NFL after next season. So uh, it'll be, it'll be, It'll be something to look out for in fall camp if if Donovan Jackson does move around a little bit more. Um, I want to shift over to basketball here for just a couple minutes because we did have the NBA draft last night. And if you missed it, because it did happen pretty late, Bryce Sensabaugh becomes second straight Buckeye, second straight year Buckeye goes in the first round. He went number 28, I believe it was, to the Utah Jazz. So late in the first round. Um uh, I think it's an interesting fit with the Utah Jazz. Obviously, that's a team that you know, doesn't get a lot of coverage just because of, of kind of their market and they haven't been overly successful in recent years. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a team Cavs fans will remember. Lloyd Markinen, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton, all three on that team. Um, they also drafted Kenyatta, Kenyote George. I think I'm saying that wrong. Um, so... It's an interesting fit for him, and I'm not going to try and break down the Utah Jazz roster and pretend like I know a ton about it, but there are other offensive-minded guys there, and that's certainly what Bryce is, as, as Buckeye fans know. I think that, and I, I, I expect Bryce to be willing to embrace having to do some of those more defensive things, but let's be honest, it's the NBA. It's an offensive-driven league. Um, I do think as a young player, if you can get out there and show you can play defense, e- either that or you just light it up, then then that's um, a key to getting on the court early. But we know what Bryce kind of is and what he you know presents as uh, having watched him for, for the last year. My mind 
in terms of Bryce and, and kind of the NBA in general is I, I do think he can be a pretty successful NBA player. I just think it may take a couple of years. And we had Stephen Cherry chime in here that since Bud needs another year in college. I, I mean, like I personally agree. I think it would have benefited him to come back for one more year. And, you know, obviously that would have helped the Buckeyes. Uh, they would have had, a Bryce Sensabaugh level scorer to, to add in with this, that class that he came in with as well as the class that is coming in the, the highly rated class. So I think that would have been huge for Ohio state and Chris Holtman and, and what they want to do this year. Uh, but coming out of the end of last season, if you're Bryce, you're here in lottery pick potentially. And I think it's hard to turn down. Um, I think that, you know, the, when the money's there and the opportunity to to live out your dream as an NBA player, it's hard to hard to pass that up. Um, he was a first round pick. Uh, you know, you, you you could say the same potentially about a guy like Malachi Branham a year ago. I think Malachi had a pretty successful year for the Spurs. We'll be interested. I think Malachi Branham is going to be on TV um, a little bit more after after last night's draft and and the Spurs taking Victor Wambignana with the number one pick. But so you may get to see him more. But in terms of Bryce, look, it may be some G League, um, you know, some some development before he becomes a, a key factor. As I mentioned, they've got offense on that team already. So how they use him in his rookie year will, will tell a lot. I think he will have to put in the work defensively. Um, you know, he needs to stay healthy. Obviously, he came out of last season with uh, that knee injury that kept him out of the Big Ten tournament at the end of the Big Ten tournament. And uh, I think it was J.J. Redick mentioned that injury last night when when Bryce, either when he got picked or, or when they were discussing him before on ESPN. So you know, he'll, he'll need to prove that he's he's good to go there. But you know, we know, we've all seen it, Bryce is a guy who can score. And if you're in the NBA, scoring is, is something that, that coaches look for and, and whatnot. So as long as he can be – good enough defensively and he did get better defensively um you know he he had to become more of a willing defender i think we should uh we should see success it just may take take a year or so um you know he's he's probably also got to kind of trim some of that i don't i don't know if this is the the baby fat you know he's a, he's just a big dude uh, but i know he puts in the work and i know he he will, you know, this is what he's been working for his whole life. And, and let's remember, Bryce wasn't necessarily supposed to be in this position coming out of high school. This wasn't a guy like Malachi Branham, anyone expected to be a one and done. So the fact that he's going to continue to need some work is, is not surprising. And I think that's kind of baked in to the fact that he was drafted late in the first round, as opposed to the lottery pick that maybe he hoped for. Uh, but I do think he's got some good, so, some good, uh, some good potential. Um, and I'm, you know, I expect him to you know, you look at some of the guys that, that have done well from Ohio state and, you know, the, the Dwayne Washington's Malachi, even Kata to some degree. Um, you know, I, I think Bryce fits in well with, with that mold and, and could potentially be, you know, maybe along with Malachi, the, the best of this recent group of Buckeyes to, to come out. All right. We're going to wrap this one up. This was a, you know, I wonder if this is the longest Bucknuts Morning 5 ever as we kind of combine the Bucknuts Morning 5 and the Bucknuts Happy Hour. If you haven't checked out the Bucknuts Happy Hour, I uh, encourage you to do so, not just because I'm on there, but because I think we do a good job of kind of mixing in some guests. Timmy Hall from 97.1 The Fan is often 
on here with me. And I think he provides good insight, but I've had some other guys, obviously, if you missed it earlier, we had Marcus St. Clair, the father of Tavian St. Clair. We've had Tyvis Powell, um, handful of guys. I try and get a different guy before each game during the football season to who covers the team to discuss what you're going to see. So um, try and mix things up. We usually do it end of the week, once a week. But if you haven't checked that out, I encourage you to do so. And um, like, subscribe, all that good stuff on our YouTube page, Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Bucknuts. And uh, if you are interested in guys like Tavian St. Clair and, and kind of what's coming, there's a big Buckeye recruiting weekend coming up. Become a Bucknuts subscriber. Uh, Bill does a great job covering recruiting. I try and help out a little bit there, but we've got a whole network of guys that in the 247 Sports Network that do a great job covering not only our recruiting, but you can get, you can follow along with other teams and kind of see what's going on across the country. Anyway, I'm Patrick Murphy with Bucknuts and 247 Sports. I thank you all for tuning in for this very long Bucknuts Morning Five. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank Marcus St. Clair again for coming on and talking about his son, the newest Ohio State quarterback commit, Tavion, who will be part of the Buckeyes 2025 class. Thanks again, Buckeye Nation. Happy Friday and enjoy your weekend. You'll get Dan Rubin back, I assume, on Monday because I think Dave's still on vacation, but I'll be around. Thanks, Buckeye fans. of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen